This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Hello, hi y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers and the breaking of all things normal. Aloha, y'all. Wow. These pauses on the podcast have become a bit more frequent than a part of me would have loved. And we get to celebrate because we have lots in the queue. And uh, I might, because of the amount that's on the, my menu of life, thank you, God. What a menu. What a menu I've been given. Um, I might use this intro for the next three podcasts, which are awesome guests. Awesome. I think, um, I'm not sure which one's going to come into right now, but we got Warren Kistenbroker slash Warren G. I mean, is he a wizard or an alchemist or both? We talk about Tesla coils. We talk about him launching tribe vitamins and his encapsulation lab up in the mountains where the lightning is really good. We talk about, I mean, we talk about spagyric extractions. They're like the original Egyptian alchemy. Next guest could be tonight or the next episode, David Dremel. We really go into uh, bison liver, actually, and we go into saunas. And we go into breathing and hydration, but really the saunas. I mean, I've the sauna conversation is becoming bigger in my life, and specifically for me, steaming, steaming. Um, that's a fun conversation. And then finally, we got a loke, and I have a feeling that's the one you're about to listen to. A loke, two point oh, a loke mountain within the man, the myth, the legend. If you're watching this on IG Live, it has climbed every highest peak in every continent. Um, has a very special story to share on this one about like memory, <laughs> based on what we talked about last time. A lot about plant medicine and how he uses that for himself as a psychotherapist. And we talk a lot about dolphins. I mean, that was my. <laughs> I will forever. I trust I'll remember that conversation for a long, long time because of how deep we went into the depth of talking about dolphins. Um, all of these conversations definitely danced around the topic of the tribe vitamins. And I have, I, 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 that's part of why my menu is so full. Um, we are getting more and more stoked customers. And this thing is, uh, I guess this, because this stuff really works, this is a real responsibility, and I'm taking it very sincerely and being a dad, obviously, on the forefront, not only to a beautiful princess, Davina, Victoria, Eisenman, but also those two beautiful pit bulls you see every once in a while, also known as American Staffordshire Terriers. I would love, if, you, if any dog um, genetic experts are out here listening to these transmissions i'd love to team up with you and interview you about understanding the difference between a wolf and a chihuahua and a great dane and then how that can be a metaphor for human beings as well like imagine if someone had the genetics more of like a great dane and they were trying to look like a chihuahua or vice versa or like a english bulldog that was trying to look like an american pit bull anywho those are fun that was a fun topic that i have remembering the future of exploring if y'all have any f 
future topics or people that you're remembering being on the Breaking Normal podcast, definitely connect us. This is, uh, you, you wouldn't be the first person that's changed my life based on a recommendation or um, a connection. So thank you all so much for being part of the Breaking Normal podcast and way of life. I'm excited for all these podcasts. And if you haven't done the bison liver for breakfast or before breakfast yet, give that a go because you'll hear that theme come up in the uh, in the reality of it. It's like so much corroborating evidence from in- independent people that are saying same the same thing and receiving the same effects without talking to each other and some, some miraculous ones here and there. I don't know if we go into those on these episodes, but regardless, um, I can only talk about what uh, bison liver does for so long. There's only one way to find out and that's to do it, do it on an empty stomach every morning before breakfast. And I'm uh, I can guarantee for most people, Unless, you know, I, I believe in outliers, so I don't, I don't really believe in like always forever, but the data I'm getting personally and feedback, feed forward, people have more stamina, more libido. They seem, it's like almost like a gateway drug to a more indigenous lifestyle. And it's like a reminder uh, to take care of yourself, like, because it is a potent medicinal food. Um, and then like long-term hair, skin, nails, vision, vision, uh, lots of vision stories, lots of those. So I'd love to hear your story if you're using those tribe vitamins, that those indigenous superfoods that were here before pharmacies existed. And in a way, they were here in their raw form before humans were here. And we're now uh, using modern-day technology to give you the most pure and potent form for you and your tribe, baby. So get that bison liver for breakfast. And if you want to take it to the next, if that really feels well, good. Or if you want to do both at once, you're ready to jump full in, do the organ complex for brunch. That's it. I see more and more people are joining on the Instagram Live. If y'all are watching, I'm basically doing a Breaking Normal podcast intro, but it has now come to a conclusion. So welcome the next Breaking Normal podcast guest. Thank you for listening, and thank you for uh, being part of the conversation. And if you want to be part of the conversation or you have an idea of who you, if you were bold enough to should on someone, that they should be on the Breaking Normal podcast, let's make it happen. Keep breaking normally, y'all. Aloha, y'all. All right, we're going. It's looking good. It's a beautiful tropical evening out here in Boulder, Colorado. I, I hear the uh, hummingbirds. Do you hear them? Yeah. I can try to do a hummingbird. Um, hold on. Oh, hold on. I got to move this out of the way. I wonder if one will come. All right. I learned that when I really lived lived at the big mount the big house on the mountain. Oh, Did yeah. you ever visit us, by the way? Yeah, I was there. I don't know if you were when I went there. Well, who's on? Who just said that? His name is Warren Kistenbroker, also known as Warren G, also known as I think a wizard, <laughs> and, and or an alchemist, which I am curious about. What's the difference if there is one? And um, also. Uh, the encapsulator slash manufacturer, uh, a major part of that process for tribe vitamins to really kick us off. Because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know how this whole thing was going to be birthed at first. And I think the first time I um, talked to you about it, you said that was a no-go. Yeah, typically 
you know, I, I just do extractions. So I mostly work with herbs. Um, and yeah, make a lot of herbal based supplements. So tinctures, um, encapsulated forms of herbal extracts, and then, you know, uh, salves, topicals, stuff like that, but mostly plant-based stuff. I did make a, uh, an organ meat extract. Um, but you know, I also do believe in, yeah, the power of, you know, organs and eating them <laughs> just from, you know, my own culture too. I'm half Filipino and I didn't know that half Filipino. Wow. Yeah. Just a lot of my growing up in like, uh, yeah, family traditions were based around, I mean, they eat a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I mean, and you know, this, as y'all know, the schedule for this podcast is synchronicity and we've known each other for a while at this point, but there's a lot of things I don't know about you. And that's one of the reasons I love this podcast is because I imagine some of my curiosities about you might um, scratch the itch of other people that are curious about you that might not have met you yet or want to meet you. Yeah. So thanks for being on the show, by the way. Totally. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, now, when you say, all right, let's start, go, let's rewind a second back to that wizard and alchemist. I mean, I've heard both of those uh, terms coined around with you and your yeah. name. I mean, uh, I do, uh, the whole herbal thing, you know, gets a lot of, uh, what I do is spagyrics, which is a, uh, it's basically an ancient form of alchemy. Um, where you take something, <clears throat> you extract it, um, typically an alcohol, which in alchemy is known as a spirit. And the spirit or the alcohol dissolves the oils of a plant. It's the only solvent that's naturally available that dissolves oils from something. Um, the oils of something is known as the soul. And then by burning the leftover material, you get um, the purified body. And those are really uh, purified minerals. <clears throat> and when you mix those purified minerals back with the tincture or the alcohol extract, you get this beautiful um, acid-base reaction that um, makes, basically, it, the minerals act as a catalyst and turn a lot of the extracted compounds into um, more powerful forms known as uh, esters and carboxylic acid salts. So yeah, my background's primarily in organic chemistry um, where I got really into plants, found spagyrics and found out that they do these wild kind of chemical reactions that are, you know, pushed forth through, you know, these alchemical principles of soul, spirit, and body, which, you know, are old school terms now. Um, but yeah, so that part of me, I used to teach a lot of classes about this. Um, talking about spagyrics, alchemy, and really the foundations of understanding how, you know, every living thing uh, from plants, animals, minerals, and metals, you know, in the alchemical world is made of these three philosophical principles. So that's where I get the, uh, the alchemist part of me. Um, and then some people refer to me as a Wizard, I'd say probably more because I do, um, in my free time, I make Tesla coils and experiment with uh, high frequency, high voltage, like pulse systems. Um, and so I usually tell people I just get bored easily. And that's where all this stuff kind of, I guess, comes from. Uh, you said high energy pulse centers. Is that what you said? Uh, high energy pulse systems. Systems. So, 
Yeah, it's comparable to basically like how they used to build radar systems back in the day. But they're high energy pulses, so I'm interested in like fusion, pulse fusion and different forms of um yeah, like energy alternative energy investigation basically. I mostly do it for myself. Plus it's kind of an extension of alchemy for me. So I'm mostly interested in how things work. Yeah, I mean that it's that starts to get I don't know why. I'm just ma- imagining the normal mind might start getting <laughs> confused around a lot of these topics or disoriented and confusion and I say that in a celebratory way because I think when someone's confused they're like that means they're learning. Mm-hmm. Um so I definitely want to see how I can break this down to like for someone um such as my daughter to someone's grandfather could understand and this is this is, i loved your uh description of spagyric and the alchemy and using the alcohol as the spirit metaphor and the oils as the soul that's, well, but this that's, tesla coil thing that's what i'm like what what is it can we go re-say this thing again yeah tesla coils are uh, an invention by nikola tesla nikola tesla is the guy who invented ac electricity which is what we still use today over 120 years since he developed it so you can imagine uh you know he was a pretty big out there thinker um, went against edison you know and said you know ac frequency is better travels easier it's more natural um nikola tesla was also very interested in nature um, but more its electrical characteristics so yeah tesla coil is what he developed after ac electricity um, and he claimed that it was going to be a supreme, he, he already thought it was supreme. Um, when he in, invented AC electricity, I think it was like six or eight years or something before people even started listening to him. Hmm. Um, and so it had to catch on. It had to be like cool. It had to be something new um, that people knew about, um, even though he, he was you know using it, practicing it. But yeah, so it's a form of electricity that supposedly led to a bunch of weird um, natural phenomenon regarding nature. And, you know, like he started making these huge uh, electrical, basically lightning strikes um, with his system. And it started making the rain fall. Um, he reported uh, different types of corona were burning nitrogen and basically creating fertilizer straight from the air. Um, which is how lightning fixates uh, nitrogen. It's the only way plants grow naturally. Um, but yeah, Tesla was alive in a you know interesting time where oil and gas was just starting to be invested in. This AC energy. Are we are we using this right now? What do you say? It's what all energy? our sixty hertz, hundred twenty volt systems in our house. And are you saying this is the same type of energy that was causing these weather phenomenons potentially, or correlated with them? Um, no, he developed the Tesla coil system. That's the one after That's AC electricity. Okay, just to clarify, he said that, that it was supreme. Um, he said it was supreme. Yeah, he said. And this it was, is a big thing. That I, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are confused about it. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Ultimately, Tesla wanted to create an, a, a, basically a power station that didn't have wires, which means you can't meter how much power someone uses. Economically, it failed because you can't make money off that. But it was a basically a, a way better method of distributing power. Um, so, like I said, I and who's know. using? Is people are people using this electricity right now? Nobody's this, using it. Probably is it, is it legal to use this type of? 
Yeah, okay. it's, it's basically like a radio, except uh, the antenna is the Earth. So it's the opposite way we think of radios today is what Tesla was doing is he was transmitting through the Earth. Um, so it's like, imagine you have a cell phone and you go away from the cell phone antenna, <clears throat> but if they basically made the Earth the antenna, you could have service as long as you're close to the Earth. Um, so it's just a way better method. Um, but like I said, it had issues with you know the whole metering thing. So Tesla got defunded and then started talking about you know alternative ways of accessing uh, power from ultimately space from cosmic rays. But through his Tesla coil, he discovered these new rays um, from space, which he thought was going to be the, the power source of the future. And a lot of researchers, you know, don't get funding. It's suppressed. Um, so it's something that I'm just genuinely interested in because it ultimately has to do with, you know, again, the, the workings of nature. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah, that's a big topic. It is. <laughs> well, it's, you know, all right, so I think about where you live. You live out in a, a very, I mean, the, the, our, the lab that we do tri vitamins with is like arguably one of the coolest labs in the world, I would <laughs> guess. I mean, you're right at the beginning of the Rocky Mountains, like in the mountains, though. Right. Yeah. And I'd say it's probably the only alchemical lab that's built out in modern day with like an incinerator and distillation equipment. You know, uh, what they, I think it was like Queen Elizabeth that way back in the day, uh, her castle has a huge alchemical laboratory in the bottom of it, furnace, a place to burn things, uh, smell ores. They were doing all kinds of stuff, but alchemy's, you know, really the, the ancient science, like Egypt science or mainstream science was alchemy. So, uh, you know, through the years it's been adopted and, used and changed to make all sorts of different things well on that note you're wearing a shirt that looks like what we're talking about yeah i like a lot of egyptian symbols and i mean whatever they're doing with you know their gold work their medicine um you know they're pretty far advanced and they had some sort of power source i think to be able to build the things they did. Uh, you know, they say the Great Pyramids were built in 20 years. You're supposed to place one stone every 10 minutes, and they weigh about, like, close to 1,000 pounds apiece. You know, if we had a bunch of cranes, I don't even know if we could do that today. So what do you think? Did it, how do, you, do you have a theory or a hypothesis? Uh, I think that they probably had... You know, they, they had a really advanced uh, understanding of electricity. So I think they figured something that we don't necessarily understand out about some form of electricity. Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of the tombs and stuff that they have are filled with all these reliefs. And there's not any soot uh, found on the ceiling or anything. So they went into these dark tunnels um, that they built and painted these beautiful things without a torch or fire. So some people think they used uh, silver mirrors to reflect the light down in there, but you know, that's silver like, mirrors. What is this? What do you mean by that? that? That was their old school mirror. They'd shine the sunlight supposedly into these tunnels. And that's what, you know, is depicted in like the mummy and stuff. If you watch that, they like turn this mirror, but 
you know, in the end, I, I don't know what they were doing, but they're pretty advanced. They say we've only uncovered like 10 or 15% of Egypt so far, like ancient Egypt. So all the stuff that we see now is just like not even the teaser. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's meant to be meant to be found that, that stuff. Right. I mean, a lot of people think it's like alien activity, don't they? I mean, a I've, lot of people I've, say aliens. I think that we're probably aliens. You know, just, I've always wondered that. What do you mean? Like, am I? Yeah. What, so you think you're an alien, or are we aliens? What do you I mean, mean by that? People look different, and you know, maybe they just stayed on an island for a really long time, and then we started traveling around. But I don't know. I just think that there could definitely be, like, we're if we're able to develop the technology to leave Earth. You know, whatever happened between, you know, the time of Christ, really, which was also the fall of Egypt, the fall of alchemy, uh, to some extent, um, you know, a lot of that is, uh, it's just kind of shrouded. And by what I mean by aliens, this may be more of a semantic thing, but like I am, it seems like we're all visiting Earth and we're this cool species is are visiting Earth. But I also, do you believe like some people are like walking, like reptiles that are walking there, the reptilian species? I don't know about the reptilian thing. I mean, <laughs> we definitely have reptilian brains just because, uh, you know, the whole idea of evolution. But I'm not a reptilian. <laughs> are you a reptilian? I don't know. If I was, I, w I don't know if I'd tell you. That's interesting. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. There's there's a lot of cool ideas out there and in the end um you know a lot of the I don't know things in alchemy and whatnot I think point to us just being able to have the technology to leave sometime if we wanted to. And we do now, and so that's where I think it's not far off to think you know way back in you know, the ancient, like, you know, pre-Christ days, whatever was going on, you know, they burned the Library of Alexandria. That was a library in Egypt that had two copies of every book that had been written in the, the old world. Who burned that one? You say they... The Romans. Know? The Romans The Romans are apparently allegedly that group. Yeah, in like 300 it. AD, uh, there's this guy, Diocletian, and he's a Roman general, and his sole purpose was to burn or kill anybody that uh, had anything to do with alchemy. And so there's this, you know, kind of this, the, they were the dark ages, but um, they really didn't want people to understand how nature worked. And that seems to be how the Egyptians maybe understood the world. I mean, yeah, and this definitely spills over to, as you take a sip of that, I don't, I, I remember I mentioned the um, synchronicity being a schedule. I've been wanting to have Warren on the show for a long time and we were talking about having it today and I walked into a store, like a really local small store and I was going to get uh, some beer and I looked at the shelf and I look at this beer and all it says is The Alchemist. And I was like, okay, hey Warren, you want to do that podcast? I got this beer. And then we had bone marrow. Yep. I had bone marrow. Have anything to say about that? Did you, do you think you felt anything at all? I mean, I don't know how sensitive you are to stuff like that. I mean, I like eating stuff like that. I don't know if I'm super sensitive to it, but... Definitely feel good when I eat good. Yeah, I, that, sometimes that bone marrow though feels like a brain drug, like a bit like. Whoa, whoa. I mean, it's ooh, a lot of fats, ooh. which goes straight to your brain. <laughs> so that's how that's what your brain runs off, really. Wow. All right. All right. So we've opened the can. We've opened. Uh, <laughs> we've scratched the surface of opening Pandora's oh, yeah. box. Maybe. Is there anything you want to make sure we talk about? I'm just curious. 
I mean, I always like I to feel like I've kind of laid out the those are the topics that I typically talk about, things that I research a lot. Um, but I mean, I can talk about a lot of different things. Well, I, it seems like you're doing work with bees, like in um, and mentioning how the Tesla energy was not maybe uh, meterable and you doing what you do i think and you alluding to the goal of some people that were arrogant enough to think that they sh they should keep the se nature secret from others that they want to dominate um i think about obviously i think about the outlawing nature like cannabis or mushrooms like all these things that compete with the pharmaceuticals basically oh yeah and probably a lot of things that you've uh, worked with maybe I don't even know what all you've done with extractions or what you want to talk about but it, I was thinking a lot about that like how there is definitely anytime outlawed anytime nature is outlawed I think it's like time to pay attention yeah I mean I definitely say so sadly I think in this day and age we're kind of painted the picture that nature can be dangerous that's definitely a thing especially for people with mushrooms like people are terrified of mushrooms and, and mushrooms nature and cannabis and yeah I mean nature to some extent plants in general you know and a, i think a funny thing is is uh western medicine it's been around for like 100 years or so <clears throat> ancient like herbalism traditional herbalism chinese herbalism you know all these practices have been around for thousands of years and uh we call that alternative medicine and to me that just blows my mind and really you know to me it's kind of a wake-up call uh and that's really why I do what I do is, you know, I wanted to make supplements and herbal extracts and things, you know, more into a modern form of, you know, uh, like a capsule or some kind of dietary supplement. And really I wanted to do that because I thought there's just a bunch of like uh, low quality products going on. And that was really making the herbal industry and supplement industry look like garbage because it was garbage. And so, you know, I wanted to make something better. I moved out here from Wisconsin in 2015 to start doing spagyrics with hemp, um, which is really interesting because, uh, yeah, when you take a um, extract of hemp or cannabis <clears throat> and you, if you just eat it, it's all raw. Um, which is to say uh, all the cannabinoids are acidic. They're not activated. And so you need to activate something or these particular cannabinoids um, to, I guess, get create any kind of psychedelic effect when it comes to cannabis. And, uh, you know, back in the old days, they'd, they'd heat it up because that was the only way you could activate it. Um, and so, like, you know, for instance, there's this drink called uh, bong, I think bong. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's an Indian drink. Um, it's a uh, milk with cannabis heated up and it gets you ripped. Uh, cause the THC goes into the milk cause it's an oil. Um, if you do a spagyric of cannabis or hemp, when you add the minerals, it attacks all the acidic components and actually activates everything uh, without heat. So in some sense, it's kind of you know, magically creating uh, or making it psychedelic uh, doing this magic process. Um, but yeah, I mean, alchemy and nature and herbs, there's so many 
benefits, I think. And sadly, according to the FDA, you know, none of this does anything. Uh, food doesn't even really do anything. Uh, they must think it does something because they outlawed it for like athletes and stuff. Well, they, yeah, right. They do stuff like that. Yeah. And they say, you know, it actually doesn't do anything though. Uh, so, you know, mostly they outlaw things because people start claiming things like, oh, you know, Echinacea does this or, you know, this does that. And FDA comes in and tells you you can't say those things. Uh, if you want to, you can pay us a fine kind of thing. And uh, that's sadly, you know, how a lot of things go out there. And that's also, you know, why I think it, it's a turbulent market of uh, there's a lot of stuff that's not that great of quality. And you put enough marketing behind it, you know, it, it takes off. Whereas if you do have something that's really good, it, you know, it can be kind of hard to get the word out there and prove itself, you know. That milk and cannabis thing, yeah. It's a I mean, have you ever tried that old school? Yeah, drink. Uh -huh. How I do you tried. do it? Because I drink a lot of raw milk, and I love. I mean, you I just love some herb. put a little bit of cannabis in there, uh, like just up. raw herb. Yeah, and simmer it. Before, with the milk. Yep, simmer it with the milk, like in a pan. Yeah, you can add uh, spices. I don't know what the spices they use. It's like a chai almost. I bet. I bet that's what my guess would be. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, they used to use it, um, for, uh, out of body experiences. Wow. So be, I guess be wary. Yeah. If you drink enough of it, you won't really be walking around. Like, well, so if someone like say smokes a, a joint, it's a gram. Would you recommend putting a gram in there or you're saying that would be stronger than smoking the gram? If you ate a gram's worth in one <laughs> sitting, you'd probably be. Like to the point of like almost to the point of like not being able to move. I almost think wow. that you'd get to the point where you wouldn't really be able to walk. Wow. I mean, I, we're definitely giving people some <laughs> ideas right now. I know it. And I'm not sure if I'm advising what we're talking about. And I haven't done it myself. I'm yeah, just asking questions. A, I'm a asking baseline questions. of it. Don't don't put more <laughs> in a gram in there, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Man, then the Chinese herbs, you know, I agree with you. The supplement industry is so nuts. Um, I can't believe like some certain ingredients I'm aiming to look for. I it's hard to find without like all these like magnesium stearates or silicon dioxides or all this stuff added. And I'm still confused. Are they adding it to preserve it or to cut the product? Or is it like, an industry standard? Like why are people putting weird extra additives in these supplements? Do you understand that at all? I actually have no idea really why. Um, I've seen some supplements and, you know, from a, like, from my mindset of knowing what I can extract from a plant and put into a capsule without any of that stuff. Um, to seeing, like, a supplement have, like, you know, like 90 milligrams of an active ingredient and the rest is all the things that you just yeah, stated. Um, cutting the drugs. It's really what? just like, yeah, I think a filler and a preservative. Um, but really, it's just you know, it, it's it's a way of taking something and turning it to a lot of product and selling it. And you know, to me, it's uh, why I think the dietary you know supplement industry doesn't get as much credibility as you know, other countries see herbal medicine. Yeah. And then I look at Chinese herbs and I look at the back and I'm like, I can't understand this. 
Um, but I, for some reason, I feel like a lot of them are clean or they're good and they don't have that stuff added. Is this at all true? I've known very little about Chinese herbs. For sure. I'd say a lot of Chinese herbal supplements are mostly just water extracts, um, which is still good. Um, but yeah, I think it can be better. Really, this whole spagyric process, um, you know, from my point of view was uh, esters and carboxylic acid salts that form from the spagyric process. Um, are also the class of compounds known as prodrugs in pharmaceutical um, terminology. So, in a sense, if you take uh, vitamin C, which is absorbic acid, it's an acid, and if you react it with, uh, say, a plant mineral that you pull out of, uh, you know, a plant that has the vitamin C in it, um, it turns into a salt or an ester, depending on how you put the two back together. Um, as certified vitamin C, there's like some studies saying that it was over 90% bioavailable, whereas regular vitamin C is like less than a percent, something mm. like that. That's mm. why typically you take like 8,000% vitamin C because mm. hopefully you absorb 1% of it. The rest you just pee right out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so if you could make something stronger and more bioavailable and you don't need to take as much of it um, and it you know goes a longer way and so that's where I basically apply this process to all plants all vitamins basically whatever you want to make I can usually make and then are you what's the difference between what you're doing with that alchemical spagyric process versus say uh, I mean do you believe Egyptians were doing this as well the same process well, like, I mean, what was the difference be? from Egypt um, is there a new like you're using a newer technology like, where do you think it's just like the same exact thing I mean they probably didn't have as great a metalworking as we do so I have a lot of cool stainless steel equipment I don't think that they had um, but I mean I don't know there's just a bunch of rocks left but you know back in the day like old school alchemy they had clay alembics clay things um, that function the same way but in the end alchemy is you know, uh, in a sense, just working with the forces of nature, those things haven't changed. Fire, distillation, fermentation, calcination. Um, how would they get alcohol? Like, how, what's alcohol? What is alcohol? Alcohol is, uh, <laughs> so they call it the spirit. So the reason we still call alcohol spirits today is because of this old terminology we used to use um, when alchemy was the mainstream science. That's um, also where all the days of the week come from. Um, but a lot of the things that we have today are from alchemy being mainstream, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out like how, like when I think of like, like what kind of alcohol do you use for this? Oh, process? so alcohol. Yeah. So alcohol is known as the spirit of plants. And that's because no matter what plant decays or ferments, it makes alcohol. Okay. Um, and so. Alcohol is literally the solvent of plants. It's a, it's a solvent made by plants that extracts plants, um, which makes it a really interesting solvent. But really, it's sugar, uh, any type of sugar or carbohydrate um, that's fermented by yeast or certain types of bacteria turns into alcohol. Is that how they do isopropyl alcohol too? I think isopropyl alcohol is more of like a, a chemical method. Um, I'm not actually sure how they make that, but a lot of the... You know, things that were made, um, which are supposed to be really close to alcohol, actually just make you blind if you drink it. So 
for example, isopropyl alcohol, um, things that aren't of nature typically don't impact your body well. Um, and that's where a lot of alchemists try to gain more credibility um, a few hundred years ago is by saying, you know, to a chemist, if you didn't make it from nature, it's going to cause you harm, essentially. Um, and I do believe that for the most part. And so, like, the alcohol that you source for your process, is that do you use a certain type of alcohol to do that? Yeah. Uh, usually I use uh, a type of organic cane ethanol um, for all the tinctures. And then I use an extraction-grade alcohol for things get, that get purged of alcohol later on. Um, just because it's a lot uh, cheaper, but um, yeah, it's basically just uh, non. Uh, it's a cheap form of food grade ethanol that's not organic. And then, because when I think about the cannabis industry and like the CBDs and then like all the different marketing points of different brands, some do, do they? If I'm not mistaken, they they brag about not using alcohol extraction is that correct i mean a lot of companies do co2 extraction they okay do co2 these, yeah yes. and then what's the other one what's the other one co2 i don't know people are doing like butane extracts heptane uh you can use propane uh any low boiling solvent that's non-polar is a good extraction solvent granted i don't really think you should use any of those things why not because uh, in terms of thinking of uh a plant or the oils of something is the soul of it. Alcohol is a really interesting solvent that it basically dissolves all oils plus little water solubles. Um, if you think of that as the soul and the whole soul of the plant, and then say you take um, CO2 or uh, butane or pentane or you know some weird solvent, <clears throat> again, that's not natural, it has a higher selectivity. So you can make something pure, but you're in a sense, leaving behind more of the yeah, plant's yeah. soul or medicinal constituents. So the result is I think you get something that is a lot harsher on the body because it's not something that you could just go out and ingest. It's not something that is naturally, uh, you know, occurring. You know, a CO2 extract of a plant is not fermentation. It's not a type of alcohol it's it's not nature you know? and then what about like water extractions is that a thing or like or am i you know i know a little about this i do know i have this freeze dryer to prototype some stuff mm -hmm. and it's under construction right now and um but it seems like a lot of people in the cannabis industry use these freeze dryers to cure their do they cure it overnight or something is that why just one run i think they use it for i don't actually know <laughs> but i'm pretty sure it's used for extract like uh typically like butane or like some type of concentrate. That's um, man, so many different things. I mean, this is like you can. That's like, a, like for an average consumer that doesn't know anything about this. What a world! Oh, and yeah. for me, it's even more. It's more because I know I know some more about it. Great. There's uh, there's a whole lot to extraction, and really, the world of chemistry opened all sorts of different ways we could think of. You know, isolating, crystallizing, extracting something from a plant, making it you know more potent organic chemistry yep did you just study band biology or like what was your major did you go to college uh, i majored uh, i went to college in stevens point wisconsin majored in biochemistry um I majored in biochemistry. and so i had to take a lot of organic chemistry and biology 
Um, Were you interested in that before you took the classes or did the classes kind of like spark an interest for you? I was a huge science nerd. All uh, the way through ever forever yeah, since you were born? School, yeah, I was like, you know, I watched a ton of Discovery Channel as a kid and I was always into bugs and plants and nature. Um, but I've always liked chemistry, physics, um, science in general. Math by itself, I think is pretty boring and I did not like English or history or any of that stuff. When I went to college, I basically took all the hard classes. So by the time I was- You went to college, you said, or high school? Which one? uh, In college, I took all the hard classes. I didn't take any of my general education requirements. So like I didn't take my English. I didn't take like history too. I didn't didn't take, uh, you know, the things you're supposed to take in order to graduate. I was like, oh, I'll just take those later. Um, so by the time I was in my sophomore year, I was basically um, ending my junior year in the classes that I had to progress through outside of English and history and those things. And then uh, I found spagyrics and made a spagyric tincture and realized that I just learned a chemistry lesson from a plant that was, you know, thousands and thousands of years old. Hmm. And uh, I started making a lot of tinctures. <laughs> and so... Um, started doing that in college instead of energy drinks, started selling tinctures. This one girl would, uh, you sold them in your college, you made tinctures yeah, and you sold them, them to your classmates. And I'd just take them. And then some of my classmates would be like, you know, what's that? And I'd give them some, and I started selling a bunch of go-to cola, uh, tincture, which is one of my favorite ones. Uh, this supposed Chinese herbalist lived to be like 256 years old. That was one of his favorite herbs. <laughs> But I started. Uh, Did you say 256? 256, supposedly. I forget his name, but um, <coughs> that inspired me a lot to investigate plants and herbs. And I started selling go-to cola tincture to one of my good friends. What What is go-to cola? Go-to cola is a herb that's good for memory. It's an herb. It's an actual herb. Okay. Yep. You can make teas from it. Um, but yeah, I made this uh, spagyric tincture, and uh, I sold like a liter to her. And she started selling it to all her friends, wow, basically instead of Adderall. And <laughs> everyone was saying it was like way better because wow. you could just sit at the library, like super calm, study all day, and like you know not have the frantic thing. I don't know. In college, people would just try and you know just study a lot in one time and like, uh, yep, yep. drink a bunch of coffee. I know or, all about that whatever and so the go-to cola is actually a calming herb that increases memory um especially long-term memory so people started buying it and i was like huh you know maybe one day could make this into a business um and then uh yeah after uh i basically kind of started doing a bunch of different things um i got really uh disappointed in the school system i was uh, doing a bunch of research that i found out was basically funded by monsanto um, I did uh, organic wow. chemistry research on um, isoelectric compounds, which are compounds that when they crystallize, they make a charge. So they have uh, solar panel, uh, like they could be used in solar panel manufacturing. And I found out that we're making these compounds to ensure no one else could ever use them. Um, so a lot of the things I was doing was hmm. things that, you know, I'm using my brain to do things that I thought were actually good. And then I realized like, oh, this is actually for, you know, like big agriculture or, you know, and Monsanto destroyed a lot of the farms around where I grew up. 
and then to do organic chemistry research and find out it's like ensuring that we never advance solar panels. I was like, you know, do I want to use my mind for this? Hmm. Um, and so, you know, seeing what herbs did, I started making a lot of tinctures. Uh, I changed my uh, degree to electrical engineering um, for a semester, studied lasers for a little bit, and then I dropped out and told myself I was going to teach myself something every day and for eight hours as if I were in school. And I did that for a year. And then I went back to school for two years for electrical engineering, still was making tinctures um, and researching electrical things. And then, uh, yeah, making a, a hemp spagyric um, had profound impacts to some people um, around Wisconsin battling different types of cancer. And I thought, you know, I got to pursue this. And so 2015 moved to Colorado to start spagyric extraction of hemp and other herbs and start an apothecary. And since then, that's all I've been doing is teaching classes, talking about spagyrics, alchemy, and just like, you know, how nature is like got all the things that we need. Mm, wow. I'm happy you asked about the schooling. I'm not sure if that's a good way to describe the whole experience. That teach yourself eight hours a day something new. How long did you do that for? Did that for a year straight. Um, five days a week? Or were you strict? Or you did more than five yeah, days a week? Yeah, I mean, before I dropped out, I basically started obsessing over like different uh, like electrical research papers and pharmaceutical research papers. And so I found myself basically studying obsessively all these things that were interesting to me while I was trying to go to school and I completely lost interest in my classes and I was just like really good at teaching myself stuff. So I just kept doing that. And did you, you focused on what specifically in that year when you were teaching yourself? Uh, spagyrics. I made spagyrics, like 56 wow. different single extracts, different herbs. Um, and then I, you know, acquired glassware, did a lot of different distillations, different types of alchemical preparations. And all while I was doing that, did a lot of research into wireless electricity. Um, <laughs> were, your were you with your parents at that time or where were you living? No, I was in time? college. Uh, I stayed up in my college city because I was going to go to school. And then I decided, you know, I'm not really interested in it. I'm just going to try this out for a semester. Mm. Um, and then it, honestly re went really good i before i had left i i brought in this uh little uh it was called an uh, a sec exciter which is basically a little tesla magnifier and i showed it to my physics professor <clears throat> and i could light up all these leds with this little coil is you know something i found on the internet 20 bucks in radio shack parts my physics professor said he had never seen anything like it and said that uh he couldn't explain it with any uh, you know, uh, like laws and physics as to how it was working. And, uh, you know, he was a professor for eight years and I was like, you know, this is like, I'm going to keep going to school for what reason? Hmm. And we couldn't research it because he said if, you know, he talked about anything that violated the laws of thermodynamics, you lose your job. Are you, teacher. are you serious? So he actually was scared of the thing almost and was like worried someone was going to steal it. It was, like I said, this kind of stupid thing that makes LEDs light up wirelessly. And what does that mean exactly? Make LEDs light up wirelessly? What does that mean? Like exactly? if you hold an LED in your hand. An LED. 
Yeah. What exactly is an LED? LED is those little lights on like your like uh, computer oven. Yeah. Or just those yeah. little lights. So how do you hold those up though? You get pull them out of a computer. I don't know if I've ever. Seen. Uh, you can buy them. They have two little legs on them. Okay. You're supposed okay. to put a voltage across them and they light up. Okay, I might know. Okay, so you hold that in your hand. You hold it in your hand next to the coil, and it'll light up. The coil that you, this coil that is it, what is the coil doing? It's just, it's staying. just a little coil resonating at its like resonant frequency. But is there anything attached to it or a machine to it or a battery to it? Yeah, there's a little uh, battery. And you turn that on and then it starts lighting up. Yeah, but it's yeah, wireless. It's so wireless. Okay. If you have another coil, you can light up a bunch of LEDs in a, a loop and there's no power source. And so to my professor, he was like, you know, this. There's no voltage here. Technically, there's no current, and there should not be any light, but there they are lit up. Um, and he just, you know, really wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't really that stoked to find out that there is something out there that was like, you know, couldn't be explained. And, physics college teacher? Yeah. I, I don't know if you know this, but my physics high school teacher told me that I couldn't take a, the bus lane the school bus lane curve at um, over 30 miles per hour, according to physics, or over 32, over 32. And at the time we had a thing going called white boy TV. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to do an episode and, uh, and I, my friend was filming Donald and I took the curve at 35 miles per hour. No problem. And then I took it, I tried to take it at 40 on cruise control and I flipped down a cliff. Oh, damn. Like a miniature cliff, a miniature cliff. We were, we were both okay. We were thinking about you. The car was my mom's car was way totaled. And then I learned about centripetal force. Oh yeah, because it's a good one. Because I didn't change my velocity, and then yeah. these stupid ass anti lock brakes. I was used to driving my my old car was like Nissan 300 ZX and it was like a stick shift, so I could like fish tail out of things. Oh yeah. But this Lincoln LS was like, doo, 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 doo. and and then I learned about. I guess I had no centripetal force because I kept the velocity the same. Like keeping it on cruise control? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's uh, angular momentum and there's some cool stuff. But then the anti-lock brakes would seem like the major issue. Uh -huh. Whatever, or is that, what, is that what that is? I don't know. It just seems so like... So you couldn't fishtail. All, all of a sudden, everything just locked up and it was just like skidding. And I'm like, what the... F Where's yeah. my... Uh, anti-lock brakes? <laughs> what happened here? I think those things are stupid. I, I like old school cars with the e-brake the e that goes on and off with the... You know, a pole. Not yes, the, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I see. Stuff. I, I've, I like the vehicles you drive. Yeah. I'm <laughs> stuck with them. I like being able to fix my own things for the most part. So, But I just thought of that thread that we're uh, us challenging physics teachers where it got us. Great. I mean, you got to. You got to think outside the box and, you know, you know, somewhat question authority in a respectful manner. But uh, yeah, I, I did it at night. Forceful. Night. No one was at school. Yeah, that's good. That's there was good. a big hole in the fence though for a while, and everyone was wondering what it was. And I, I decided not to tell people because I was like, man, I, I already had a crazy <laughs> reputation for driving, and like people's like some parents were like, you can't hang out with Daniel. Uh -huh. And I was like, if they found out, that was me to put that hole in that fence. Like I'm, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's funny. I was kind of the same growing up. A lot of parents were like, I don't know if you should hang out with Warren. <laughs> Well, that after that, that kind of saved my life, I think, in a way, arguably, because I I understood the consequences where I didn't, I did not mm. understand consequences before, yeah, to that degree. And I think it's like something about seventeen male. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> that could be a ripe time to like start really questioning authority, maybe in almost a for sure a dangerous way. Yeah, so stay safe out there. I agree with that. <laughs>
that's that's 44 minutes in there um do you have any questions for me or anything you uh else you want to include in case because i have a few more questions but i'm just asking that since we hit that first creative constraint yeah i mean you you could keep asking questions uh I'm, yeah i don't know uh, well, I have a, I mean, I do have a question that we haven't talked about. How, how does this all tie into you DJing and Warren G? What does that mean, Warren G? G. So Warren G is, uh, you know, in uh, in India, if you have a guru, you call him Guru G. Guru G. And so Warren G was basically like, kind of like a, a creative, uh, somewhat of a joke spinoff of Warren G, the rapper, but J.I. being like using Guruji or someone you endear um, or respect is like kind of this like, uh, you know, I don't know, spiritual version of Warren G. I guess I had a little spiritual awakening that really kind of got me into all these things. And uh, that's when I changed my name on Facebook. And apparently if you change your name on Facebook, that becomes your new name. I mean, like you can't change it back. You can change well, your name just, once. People or, just think uh, that's uh, your uh, name. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially here in Boulder. I mean, people, yeah, there's lots of crazy names. No one really knows. I, I mean, Phoenixes, Venuses. I could go. Oh, there's a lot I of Venuses. Sure. <laughs> I mean, how many Venuses? Yeah, there's, I mean, she's, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna cut myself off. Because yeah, I've been a lot like of planets. I've been a lot of planets and stars, and uh, and I, I I'm here. not uh, undermining that. But I, I just want to point it's out the reality. Out yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just sure. pointing out that is mm -hmm. a cult cultural thing. Totally. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. All right. So then that's how you became Warren G. And then what about DJing? How is this fit? DJing. <laughs> I mean, and that was... spiritual awakening. I went, yeah, you know. so I mean, when I was younger, I always threw parties. I was kind of the wild kid. I was a nerd in school. I didn't really like, you know, smoke weed or anything. But after school, I'd throw parties. And I was just kind of like known for always throwing parties. I was like the first kid in my school to like listen to electronic music. Okay, um, okay. And I was always into like having like a bunch of speakers. So mm -hmm. I was just like... What I always grew up as, I mean, even as a kid, just blasting my headphones. I was like super happy about it. Mm, mm, um, mm. And so I was through parties. Um, when I got to college, same thing. I, I met uh, one of my really good friends. Uh, he goes by Technicolor. Um, but me and him, <clears throat> he was a producer. But I had a sound system. He was a DJ. And we threw a bunch of cool parties in college. Um, and that was just always fun for me. That was also kind of how I got tinctures to like kind of be cool and for people to know about them is I liked having different herbs and tinctures to, you know, like change my mood or help me stay up, but not like drink energy drinks or something like that. Um, and so that, that was like kind of like partying, DJing, music, bringing people together, um, you know, celebrating with herbs and you know like alcohol i make mead too so i, yeah, I like you got a lot of tricks up your sleeve man all the things that uh really are like celebratory like celebrations in nature so i've always thrown yeah parties um after i moved out here uh i started djing myself um i've always liked a lot of music and sharing it with people so it kind of came pretty natural i don't really take it that uh seriously but I do like sharing music with people and I got a pretty decent sound system that I like, uh, yeah, bringing out to people's houses or throwing house parties or something like that. Nice. 
My brother, Timothy, I don't think you met him, but he does like some DJing at weddings, like as a business type of thing. Mm. And I'm just like, so it seems like when you were DJing, are you mixing music together? Is that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I learn more. Uh, and that's it's like, obviously. you know, as a DJ, you get to kind of play what you want to play. I've DJed one wedding and yeah. it was cool for about an hour. And then everyone wanted to listen to like ABC one, two, three and like 50 cent. And, uh, it's just really not my like taste in music. Timothy. Probably. Well, he, he says what he doesn't like is, um, when these people start screaming at him and his face to play different, they're like, and they're play. wasted and they're trying to tell him yeah, what to do when he already was already told what to do kind of thing at the wedding specifically. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's uh, it's a real thing. I've done one wedding, and I don't uh, think I'll ever do a wedding. <laughs> but uh, that's because, like I said, I don't necessarily like to try and do it for like you know an income kind of thing. I mostly want to share what I want to share, and definitely not really be told what to play. Because yeah, I don't know about that. I like the art form. Uh, like I like the idea of the art form of like mixing. Um, there's this guy that I've seen now multiple times, Akira Don. Have you heard of him? Akira the mm -hmm. Don. And he like mixes like these inspirational speeches with like electronic mm -hmm. music. I, there's just something that, I, that that art form does is very captivating. Yeah. I mean, really music is, you know, impinging on all these like emotional aspects of people. And so I like to think of DJing as your like, in a sense, being able to kind of like manipulate and control what types of vibes or energy is being uh, like put forth in the room. So as a DJ, it's kind of also like this alchemical, mm -hmm. you know, way of mixing energies together that's in a totally different realm or dimension. Um, and so, I don't know, I guess I enjoy all sorts of things in that, in that way. Yeah, and then uh, real quickly, if someone was interested in becoming a DJ and or doing ec like herb extractions, like the DIY, the do-it-yourself, like how do people get started? If they're like, man, that sounds epic. I want to be a DJ or that sounds epic. I want to do a spagyric extractions. Right. Is there a way to start? Like, you know, like you have garden beds for farming. <laughs> I mean, uh, you can go take classes if you want to pay a bunch of money. Um you know, a long time ago, there's this guy named uh, Saja Popham, I think is how you say that. Um, but he's out, I think, in like Oregon on the West Coast somewhere. And uh, he was teaching classes on spagyrics in like 2011 when I started doing this stuff. And, um, you know, I sent him an email. I said, uh, you know, do you like, is this like some kind of certification or like after your class, like I'm out to do like everything in the lab or, um, you know, can I teach myself this stuff if I have or the ability of like teaching myself because I, I knew I had that. Um, and he said, you know, you could take the class, but you could literally teach all this stuff yourself. It's in all the books you already referenced. So I'd, I'd reference, uh, recommend, uh, this book called Spagyrics by Manfred Junius. It's got every different way to make spagyric. Um, some are better than others. Um, some are better for certain plants. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you could teach all, teach yourself everything if you want to, if you have that ability. Um, otherwise, I think taking a class, getting your foot in the door, and understanding it, it's just like no one uh, in alchemy. They they say in all these alchemical books, uh, no one can do it basically but you. Um, and all these things you can read about, and they're not going to make any sense until you do it. Hmm. Um, and it's like seeing the fire and watching that herb burn. It's like that 
process is doing something to you is what's believed. And, you know, we all love staring at the fire at a campsite. Um, and so there's, I think definitely something to just experiencing what these forces of nature are doing, transforming matter, um, into different forms, extracting it, dissolving it. You know, there's, there's so many amazing things of just how nature works, physics and everything. Oh, wow, man, man, you are an interesting, you are definitely breaking normal. Thanks for doing, <laughs> thanks for being you. Yeah. Like I say, I just say I get bored easily, but I know I'm kind of out there for sure. Well, what about the DJ? And like, what if I wanted to learn how to mix music? How does the easiest way to learn how to do that? Um, I'd say, you know, get a get playlist together. Kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of different ways to DJ. I don't necessarily think there's one way to do it. Um, you know, figuring out your own way is how you get, you know, your own style of DJing, I'd say. Um, but, you know, DJing is basically just mixing songs and so is there like an app or what do you recommend like if i if i if i like oh i have a playlist of like i, I want to mix this song with that and then drop this in there like that's how this works it's really and how do i do that with like with the technology yeah there's uh like serato and tractor these two programs that are pretty popular um you can go to guitar center pick up a mixer for like 100 200 bucks plug it into your computer the program itself takes all your music and it uh analyzes the beats per minute um, so some songs are faster than others back in the day when people um, dj'd with uh, turntables you had to listen to the beat change how fast turntables going match the beat to the other song you're playing by ear and then mix it in um, nowadays you get a fancy computer that tells you the bpm wow, see, I didn't know and you can just like move the bpm match the bpms up and then, you know, you introduce the next song when, as you see fit. Um, that's the basics of DJing. But, uh, yeah, you can get some pretty cheap controllers. And, you know, it's, a, it's a, I think, a fun way to express yourself and share music with people. For sure. For sure. Wow. Where are we time-wise? I'm like, I don't know if I have time to get down another rabbit trail. Oh, yeah. there's. I feel like there's lots of little rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. We got. I, I have one more time. Half Filipino. Yeah. Tell me about your. Uh, where Where are your parents from? Uh, uh, so yeah, my mom's uh, from the Philippines. She moved here, I think, when she was like thirteen. Uh, my father uh, was from around. Uh, he grew up here in the states, but his family, I think, was ultimately from Germany. I have a lot of German background. Um, my grandpa on my father's side was a rocket scientist uh, for Lockheed Martin. Wow. Um, and worked on a bunch of like so your dad's dad. stuff. Yeah, my dad's dad. Wow. Uh, my dad was also really smart. Um, developed a couple different, uh, he was an entrepreneur himself and developed uh, some like really cool technology in like the computer technology realm. And um yeah, definitely got a lot of my smarts, I think, from that. And then, uh, yeah, my mom, my mom's dad's, or uh, like, yeah, my great-grandfather on my mother's side um, was from Kauai. Uh, oh, nice. So, really? From Kauai? That far back? Yeah. Holy moly. But, uh, yeah, so I have a lot of kind of like Polynesian, uh, like, ancestry. Um, from and growing up, like, there's not a, like, the Philippines is a very like for the most part Christian. Um, and so there's not really that old connection to nature that they used to have as Polynesians. Um, so yeah, 
I really like Hawaii and, uh, you know, like understanding and seeing the remnants of, uh, you know, that, cause that was, you know, only colonized like what, like a hundred or so years ago. Yeah. I was just about to ask when was your, when the, your family, you, the lady that you referenced, when was she living there? And this is your great grandmother, you said? No, my great grandfather great on my mom's side. Oh, oh and your mom. So your great grandfather on your mom's side. Yeah. Would you know what years that they? I don't. So like, I don't really too. know much about my family in general. Really? Um, just because my mom had to leave a lot of her family uh, to come out here. Uh huh. So I know my grandma and her sisters and her brother, but they had to leave everything else behind to come here. Mm hmm. Um. And yeah, actually, I don't know much about my father's side either. So that's all a, uh, you know, somewhat of like a mystery. What about, what are your parents doing now? Um, I have no idea what my father's up to. I haven't talked to him in, uh, since I was like 15 or something. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and my mom still lives in Wisconsin. Uh, lives with my sister and my brother lives in LA, uh, but I'm the oldest. You're the oldest and you have a younger sister and younger brother and your sister lives where you said? Uh, she still lives in Wisconsin. And they, um, yeah, she was going to go to college and the whole COVID thing. They wanted they wanted her to pay for dorms, but take all online classes. No, and so she that's decided not true. to. Uh, just, <laughs> There's so many things I've heard about COVID. I'm like, that's not true. And they're yeah, like, no, is it true? That's what they wanted her to do. But so. why would they want her to pay for the dorms? Because <laughs> you're supposed to, as a freshman, you have to live in the dorms. That was so uh, they wanted the money to you. So like, uh, oh, yeah. like well, this is where my speech but starts to, to slur. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but you got to stay inside and uh, pay for the dorm, but take a whole online classes. So there's no point in being on campus. But yeah, that was that uh, was in Madison. Where where is the same school you went to? Um, no, she was going to go to a different school. I don't <laughs> know. I think a lot of the colleges that was just the rule in Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, like, got to stay in the the dorms your freshman year. So. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's that was all, uh, breaking normal seems more important than ever sometimes lately. Oh yeah. Like, you, mean, gotta, you, gotta, you, you must break that rule for your own psyche. For sure. That's, I think that's how I feel sometimes about certain things. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's probably one of the most important things you can do with your self in general is to break normal and think differently, ask questions. You know, do something different just because the amount of innovation that was present a hundred years ago, like, I don't think there's much being innovated at all anymore. And there's more people alive by a whole lot. And there's way less innovation, in my opinion. Really interesting. So I think it's like... I wonder how much of that has to do with people being punished for being innovators. And then I mean, people being scared of becoming an innovator. I think a lot of that too, but you know, it's also our society kind of tells you like, you know, you're supposed to do this. And like, you know, especially tell my mom, Hey, I'm going to drop out of college to make tinctures. You know how crazy that sounds. I know. I was wondering people. about your parents. That's what I was wondering. I was like, why do they think about all this stuff? I mean, uh, she <laughs> definitely was not happy about it. And then the whole move to Colorado thing, she was like, you know, what are you just going to smoke pot all the time now? And yeah, that I was like, you know, maybe a little bit, but I'm going out here to start a business where I'm not just like, you know. That's definitely one thing Boulder breaks normal about, like Boulder County and probably a lot of Colorado in the front range is like, there are people that smoke a lot of pot here and do a lot of hard work. Like they are very productive. Right. <laughs> and they're smoking a lot of pot. Totally. And I'm like, 
this is just not what I always heard about this plant. Right. I mean, I think that comes along with some of the stuff you said earlier of, you know, people changing their names and all the <laughs> yeah. funny, like different life coaching you can get around here. Um, but I think, you know, with that comes the open-mindedness that allows, you know, people like me to feel, you know, somewhat oh, at I home. Love it. I love just because, you know, if, when I go back home, talk about this stuff, I have long hair. People just think I'm like a hippie or something. And out here, I feel like I'm actually taking a lot more seriously because there's a lot more people yeah. with longer hair, do different things, are creative in the ways that they live um, or make money. And I think that's really, it's fucking awesome. And it is. I, think, I, I think love this place. Yeah. I mean, I it's it. open market. There's definitely a lot of other places out there, but um, I think just with the music, um, the community, the scenery, the weather, snowboarding the, the outdoors like i can't really beat colorado plus it's a great place to do electrical experiments so what's another reason yeah i i saw multiple lightning strikes and, the, and now it's like clear right yeah i mean nikola tesla did all his experiments uh like in 1901 at pike's peak um, oh wow wow see i did not know that and it's because he claimed there's uh a lot of natural electricity out here um and it is true, but, you know, sometimes we get ozone warnings. Um, and that's because there's so much high voltage coming off the mountains that it actually, um, it sometimes it'll create corona. And so if, you, if you're walking out in the woods. <laughs> what a funny thing to say. It'll create corona? What, is, what do you mean by that? Corona, corona is a, a purple electrical glow. It's like an electrical discharge. Okay. Um, they call it St. Elmo's fire. Um, that was what they used to call it. But uh, hmm. yeah, if you're out in the mountains sometimes and there's a ozone warning, um, usually there's going to be like some weird heat lightning or something. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes you'll see those weird flashes of lightning that like seemingly come from nowhere, no clouds. Um, but yeah, the mountains are full of electricity and that's what drives all the um, like, you know, different weather patterns and part of the reason why the weather changes so drastically but what about the people you because in the beginning of the conversation you were talking about this energy that creates like a nitrogen field in the air or something yeah so are people flying and putting nitrogen in the air to make the clouds oh well, well so <laughs> like, what about that whole thing uh you mean like the whole chemtrail thing yeah yeah oh. do you do you i mean it sounded very similar to what you were talking about at the beginning but i see like planes they fly in grids around sunset sometimes oh yeah and then all of a sudden the clouds change for sure Right. Yeah. No, what I was talking about is a uh, Corona. Um, <laughs> that is what Tesla was talking about. That's what burns nitrogen. So when a uh, lightning strikes, um, the air is mostly nitrogen. Lightning turns it into basically nitric acid, which is a, a form of nitrogen that's soluble in water. And that's how all the plants grow huh. without fertilizer. Um, and then there's nitrogen fixing plants and stuff. And then the whole chemtrail thing, uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's funny you bring that up. When I was in college, I, I started researching um, and like, I remember this one time I was I was longboarding with my friends and this this guy's at this park and he, he points up at the sky and he's like, he asks us and we're just like a bunch of kids like longboarding around. And he goes, you know, why do you think that that plane is flying that way? And why is it? have a trail behind it. that sounds like me <laughs> and you know it's this older guy he's like an old farmer or something he's just like i've lived here forever and i've never seen why would a plane fly that direct there's nothing over there and so he's asking all these questions and i didn't think anything of it um and so you know i think like a year later 
I start hearing about, you know, this, this chemtrail stuff and, uh, and Steven's point, you know, damn that they would have so many planes out and certain days it would create this mist and like the whole, you know, sky's like kind of like hazy. It's yeah, not cloudy. Yeah, it's I don't hazy. love it. I don't love that. And at 5 PM, it would be the hottest time of the day. And, uh, when it wasn't like that, it was never hot at 5 PM. It was cooling off. Yeah. yeah. You know, the sun's going down. Um, and I always thought that was really weird. And so, you know, I, I basically like looked into this whole chemtrail thing. Um, and you know, I'd seen some weird patents that were filed. Like I said, I would get bored and I'd basically just read a lot of like research papers and patents and stuff. Found some weird patents on that. Um, and so one time I actually called the cops, uh, while I was in college and I claimed that you know, I was like, are we getting bombed or sprayed? Or, you know, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman who answered the dispatch line, she's like, you know what? I'm going to find out. I'm going to have, um, I'm going to get in contact with the Dane County Airport. And like, you know, what's your phone number? Someone will call you back. And so this U.S. Marshal calls me back to tell me that there's no planes in the area. Doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um and he's asking me more questions. He says, how high are they? I said, you know, they're way up there. They're like higher than commercial airlines that I see. And they're all flying in like unison. And uh, I was like, I'm looking at like 15 of them right now. And he's like, oh, and I, I wish I could have recorded this. But he says, oh, that's the military. And they're spraying to fix the radar. You're completely safe. You have nothing to worry about. Everything's fine. Just like totally reassuring me. But he didn't deny at all that they're spraying and it's the military. To fix the what? Fix the radar is what he said. He said they're fixing the radar. Um, whatever they're spraying does show up on radar. Um, if you looked at old, like, uh, like the weather channels and stuff, they used to actually show the chemtrails because it would pop up on the radar as clouds. Um, then they changed it and they got rid of that. So now you just see the clouds that come through. But, I mean, you Truman can still kind of see... You know, those, those things. And yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's talk of like, oh, they're going to like introduce it. You know, they've, they've been doing it for a while. Yeah. I was a little confused because I was like, this is getting a little too obvious because I've stayed in, I haven't stayed in the spot this long like I have here mm-hmm. in a long time. I'm like, this is obvious. Um, so I Googled it and they said they do spray like nitrogen, something in the air to make more snow. Hmm. Yeah. I think I've heard <laughs> something like that. There was, um, there's something weird with, cause we're right next to the great divide and basically all the water that falls on the West side of the divide goes to California and the water that falls on this side goes, uh, East to like, you know, South and whatnot, but California really likes their water. And so I've heard from like some places and small towns I've driven through in like Crestone area and stuff that they say they like blow these like bombs up or like they release these big things that basically seed clouds on that side of the divide so they get more water Hmm. but i mean there's all sorts of methods that like you know nasa and stuff have published in like the 90s like hey we found out how to make clouds (laughs) (laughs) it's like you know there they are (laughs) up there oh Um, yeah i do appreciate like i kind of make jokes now with most people yeah those are actual clouds and they're beautiful yeah i mean people will get uncomfortable uh when you tell them that the government might be spraying something over them without their consent yeah i don't know who it is (laughs) 
But if you just look I in the sky, I'm not making any accusations. I'm just like, but if you just watch the clouds after those seven planes flying oh, in yeah. red, you'll see something. Yeah, no, new. it doesn't take rocket scientists <laughs> to figure out like, oh, this actually turns into a weird shaped cloud later. Yeah, that's and it's got that weird like kind of like rainbow metallic glow in it in the yeah oh yeah oh that that exactly yeah, yeah that's you know not, what i'm talking about you know what I'm talking about. that's the one i'm talking about if you look up like the color like spectrums of metals you find those same colors and hmm. yeah i think they're spraying some weird yeah. form of i don't know something i think is reflecting the heat so it stays hotter longer that day um that's as most as i think i can figure out but if you see them spray a bunch of stuff i i bet money that it's going to be warmer later that day than usual typically. warmer i thought see i thought i was trying to cool things down i thought that was the idea that this is their i think solution it's keeping though. the sunlight heat in um but yeah you know the whole global warming thing <laughs> i don't know all what that the, stuff i just think it's arrogant it's really arrogant to like oh they, 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 i wanted to close this out because uh <laughs> Yeah, I got a sign. You know, you mentioned the Monsanto thing, and there's a freaking sign on uh, right down here at the park, uh-huh. and um, it's telling people they're going to spray a pesticide on June sixth tomorrow, six yeah. six, which is an interesting day to do it. I'm like, so you're going to Armageddon? What are you killing? Like, what are they Armageddoning on six six? And I don't know what do you what think doing, about that? That that stuff is like known to cause like Parkinson's. It's known to cause all sorts of like different types of cancer. I mean, there's lawsuits you can look up for Roundup and pesticides. And I'm, I mean, we could look at the sign. It says the actual ingredient. Yeah, and sometimes they use something that's like not as bad, but like in the end, I don't know why they do that. They, they do it to usually get rid of invasive weeds. Well, no, they say some sort of bore, like a beetle bore thing. Oh, to the kill ash borer beetle? That thing, I think. Oh, I think then it's, it's that an insecticide. That stuff's even nastier for people. That stuff like messes with your brain and shit. Um, yeah, it's it's not good stuff, but it is killing the forest. But I will say that the whole forest... What's killing the forest? The boar? The, the ash borer the, beetle. Is, um, it's killing the forest? It's really good at killing lodgepole pines. And uh, so we already cut this forest down a while ago mm-hmm. and planted lodgepole pines. So um, I think it probably needs to be cut down. Oh, oh, these are so these are not even natural species these things are killing? Uh, not necessarily. They didn't grow like, you know, we have straight lodge poles here. Uh, if you go south a little bit, you get a bunch of ponderosas, a bunch of different types that really you can't use to build things um, like lodgepole pines. So that's why they planted them. But we already logged this area and it's dying. And so they're actually starting to cut it down in certain places, like completely. The same thing that these are invasive species are a threat to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, wow. You know, I mean, that one. I mean, and this is why I believe in alchemy as well. Alchemy as well. It's like, uh, you know, I trust I'll alchemize and synergize whatever um, micro, you know, everything is toxic in some way in a, a oh, yeah. macrodose. Mm-hmm. So I trust in my, in God's ability to alchemize things through me where I'm fine and good mm-hmm. to thrive as long as I'm possible and I'm supposed to. But that pisses me off. And, and it actually is like, they are putting a sign up. This is like such a bolder thing to do. They're telling you when they're doing this. And they like, what about all the times it's all the places all over the world that don't tell anyone and they're just out there spraying that. Right. There might be some law that Boulder put in place. So like they have to be notified, but I'm sure there's plenty of places where yeah, that's what I'm saying. they just walk around and spray some pretty nasty stuff. I mean, like, yeah, it's uh, 
It's all over the place. Well, I trust this podcast and this, uh, like our episode here and all of what we're doing is helping people attune to that, like natural ability to alchemize with nature. Like you see a lightning, maybe, well, I was gonna say, don't go to the top of the mountain unless you maybe, and maybe if, if you're, you're you or Tesla and a whole nother yeah. thing, but there's like basic instincts that we, uh, like unnaturally groomed grass. It's like green when other grasses around it that are wild or not like that. Mm-hmm. Just like think about it a little bit. Like maybe that's not oh, the grass to walk barefoot. Yeah, in. I mean we live in nice little boxes, and we you know have lawns, and <laughs> in turn we've also monocropped and destroyed all the natural forests and habitat for a lot of the animals that used to live and roam here that humans also used to live off of. So yeah, we live in like a really cool, interesting time where you know we have to figure it out. The direction we're going isn't really uh, looking that great. I think I think one of the key, good things would be bringing back the Keystone species bison. I, yeah, I, I did believe sure. in that. Like when, what you're huge. saying there, I'm like, yeah, you know, they take they'll take care. You just want to bring them back. <laughs> we, we can instead of doing that monocrop. Yeah, but you gotta thing. get rid of fences. Yeah, you yeah. Get rid of, get rid you know, of God, we're a in a crisis. Stuff. We better start doing some more things. I mean, everyone's got their property, and you know, <laughs> that's what also is kind of screwing up the whole you know natural food forest thing. Is anything that comes for free? Like, I think our philosophical mind in this day and age has a really hard idea thinking of oh, you can just have food for free. You can have power for free. Um, what would you do all day? You know, would you have to work as much as you do? Uh, you know, if you had unlimited power and food, you know, what, what would you, what would we do as a civilization? Are you, and are you, are you happy about that thought? Or are you saying there's something wrong with that thought thinking this comes for free? I think that <laughs> we have an issue thinking that it's okay. Whereas I think a lot of people think that you have to work for these things and it's ingrained and we like tell each other like you know you got to get a job mm-hmm. and you got mm-hmm. you, you to work for that and I believe that but if you think of you know if we did have the technology and the ability to you know let bison roam free um, you know have food forests come back have all these different wildflowers you know and, and get rid of our lawns um, get rid of our fences and fences. you know have all these things for free like I just think that we just philosophically we we can't grasp what we would do with all our time. <laughs> yeah, I know I believe that life is like fierce and this is where this becomes a whole spiritual thing at this point. <laughs> For sure. Um but yeah, life you know, the, the even like the sperm thing, like the sperm to the egg, like how many millions of sperm just uh, in a way they're there are from the same source, but only one makes it. Like life is fierce. Right? Yeah. And and I think that it somehow that shows up and it has a lot of sh- there's a lot of shadow sides to that culturally. I think there I th- I think uh, the best uh, cooperation is competition in a way. Like when you see the best fighters fight, you're like, oh my god, these people became superhuman for this. There's nothing stronger than this human being. Or when you see people like yeah, because of capitalism and they become like what all this stuff is getting created because of this. Right. I mean, I do really believe in competition, and I also think that. You know, it can get out of hand at some point because when some one person or entity can dominate everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, at the same time, returning back to nature and like, I would love if our presidents had to try and beat each other up 
over oh, that'd be great. That would be like, I mean, come on, come on. Viewing like you know? the NFL used to be the biggest <laughs> viewed thing ever. If you got presidents to fight each other for like points for their yeah. election, holy yeah, moly. that'd be awesome. But you <laughs> what know, what a we, grand idea. <laughs> yeah, and sadly, you know, we invented like the gun and stuff, and now you can just sit on your couch and shoot somebody, and you don't have to work out or anything. But I do, I do like the ideas of you know the old world of you know if you couldn't beat that guy up. You better shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, you like better support him. Like whenever, what, anyways. Yeah, I like that. There's, I mean, I think that pecking order is in like in our sperm, in our DNA. It's like, I mean, it is. I'm gonna, us. I, I would, I would hate for someone's sperm to not be in competition. Like you want the strongest one to win, right? Right. Because they all win. If they, yeah. if the strongest one wins, they all win. For sure, I, I definitely believe that. But I, yeah, I think competition is good. But you know, it's, I think in in nature, competition is. You know, I think usually good, like just overall things happen that are generally good for the most part. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, starting a cool conversation with me. Yeah, for sure. We'll see so, where this one goes. Maybe we'll have to check in like another year from now. We're like, okay. Right. Yeah. Because totally we well. broke the time limit too. Yeah, 117. Nice. And I don't know if y'all heard any background noise, but if you did, that was Araya chewing for marrow, the last bit of marrow out of this bone. And I would encourage you to consider that. Like, why would this beautiful, healthy, strong ass being spend so many hours trying to get one little lick of marrow out? And I would say, get yourself some bone marrow. Oh yeah, preferably be bison if you can get it. We'll see what tribe vitamins can do for y'all that with that in the future. But in the meantime, eat it, be it, do it. Thank you, Warren. How do people reach out to you if they want? Like you know, I want to reach out to that guy. How do they find you if they uh, want to? I'd or say, there's a way. You know, you could uh, evolvedalchemy.com is my main website. Um, I have different evolvedalchemy.com, and we'll probably put that in the show notes as well, as, as long as I do everything properly. Yeah, so, so. you could go there and contact me. Um, yeah say and if you're interested in like djing or events or anything uh lux elixirs is, there's a dash between lux and elixirs.com um that's my elixir bar and that's where we kind of talk about events drinks that's where i first met tinctures. you yep. i believe too great spot that's how cool all, spot that's how it all came to here and that was with araya araya was with me mm -hmm. all right y'all keep on breaking normal right on thanks